This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 64. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your co-host, Kelly Hurst. And we're both marriage educators, co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this Marriage to the Max podcast is designed to help you take your marriage up to the next level. Ka-ching. Ka-ching, ka-ching. So today's episode is called, What Will the Next Three Years bring. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and the answer is, I have no idea. Neither do I. That's no right. one knows. That's right. You know, you don't know what's going to happen in the next three years, but it's a great thing to talk about. Mm. What we're going to be discussing today is the art of thinking ahead, planning for the future. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, scripture says God has the ultimate say on how things are going to unfold, but planning's a good thing. I know. I'm thinking of lots of proverbs about grasshoppers and ants. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to look those up. But you know, what are the what are the things that need to be talked about? Well, money is always mm-hmm. something that circles around in marriage conversations. Vacations, if you're going to take one, you got to plan it. Mm-hmm. Careers, new houses, new apartments, paying for college. Having children, children starting school, children driving, children dating. Parents going back to school, all that type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about the art of of sculpting your marriage in light of what's down the road. Ooh, sculpting your marriage. I like that idea. And I wrote it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, So anyway, we often make plans for the family, but we don't as frequently make plans for us right. as a married couple. Right. We, we do, but most couples don't. Yeah. So uh, what is coming up for you in the next three years? Looking at stages that come up frequently in marriage. And again, nobody can fully predict what's what's uh, what's coming around the corner. You don't know if you're going to be healthy. You don't mm-hmm. know if you might lose your job. You don't know if uh, there's going to be a death of a loved one or infertility or all kinds of uh traumas and strains against marriage. Yeah, I think it's a real life skill to think in terms of planning and being prudent and yet holding everything loosely because you're right. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen health-wise, mm-hmm. financially. There's so many variables. Right. But we still aren't given the opportunity to just okay, whatever happens happens. We still need to be smart. Right. About how we think about what's coming next. Okay, I'm writing that that down on my list. Get smart. Get smart. Okay, yeah. Well, I like, before we kind of look at the life cycles of marriage and kind of what might be coming next, I like the idea of thinking in terms of the general stages of marriage. And there's been, there's all kinds of experts who say, well, there's seven stages of marriage. And I like to just kind of boil them down to four stages. That's romantic love. Okay, so Or what you would usually call the chemical fog. The chemical fog. Romantic love. Then there's reality. Reality, for every married couple, reality sets in at some point. For us, it was at the five-year mark. Was it? Because that was when one of us 
woke up and said... Must have been you, because I'm still not living in reality yet. <laughs> I, I, I remember at the five-year mark going, oh, this is going to take work. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that. you know. And, and everyone has that moment. Some For some people, it's a disillusioning time, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, what have I getting myself into? But reality sets in. Then if you keep moving forward, you've got transformation. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge turning point in marriage when you start to get it. You start to go, oh, this could actually get great. Right. And then you have mature love, which is where everyone wants to get, mm-hmm. but not everyone's willing to wait and for that to happen. And invest. And invest, yeah. In the commitment. And, I mean, you can be committed on a very basic level, like mm-hmm. we're, we're in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, that's not basic. That's very important. Yeah. But the, the, the further commitments that you make to be selfless, mm-hmm. which is something we can't do without divine help, by the I way. Agree. I agree. So what are some typical marriage life cycles and life situations that come up? You know, the first one that I think of, and it really is a genuine stressor for a whole lot of marriages, is that first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, I have great memories of our first year of marriage. I, I was a, older than you were. And was a lot more. I still am, by the way. Yeah, you're still. <laughs> you keep pointing six that out to me. Years older than me. Okay, but that I was ready to be married when we got married. Mm-hmm. I was almost 26, and and so that that first year was really great for me. And we we often referred to it as a slumber party that you never had to go home from. That's right. That <laughs> so wonderful. How corny is that? Um, so that honeymoon phase uh, is also. On the other hand, a, a phase of having to adapt, you know, and yeah, you know, learning again how to live with somebody, and even for couples that live together, which we don't recommend, but even for couples that have lived together for a few years before they get married, there is something that changes once you get married, mm-hmm. and that this is something that I do want couples that live together to to really understand is the the primary difference just practically speaking, is now you're in a relationship of commitment. Mm-hmm. Up to that point, you've been practicing a, com- a relationship of non-commitment, mm-hmm. honestly. There, there's some minor commitments maybe you've been make, made to share bills and share living space and all that kind of stuff, even share yourselves. Mm-hmm. But until you are committed, you know, without an easy escape clause, you know, that's just a, a completely different thing. So anyway, those there are adjustments for those couples as well. Mm-hmm. It, it can be a very stressful year. Yeah, sharing sharing your space together is its own uh, adjustment. So it's helpful, vitally important, we believe, to get premarital training, mm-hmm. to have conversations before you even get married so that you can know what to anticipate and so forth. So that you can know that enlightened people have the toilet paper go over the top. That's right. Fortunately, you and I both agree on that. I know. We have similar values. Yeah. And toilet paper is one of them. Toothpaste, I'm not... Tooth- oh, we use separate toothpaste. Yeah. Oh, we're not going down that road. Because you roll up your toothpaste, right? I buy the, the squeeze bottle, so oh, there's no yeah. squeezing of a tube. That is archaic to me. I like those me. things, so, yeah. Yeah. So I'm right on that. Yeah. I'm right on that. Go ahead. Whatever you say. So the <laughs> another life cycle that's uh, very important to consider is when you have your first child. Mm-hmm. So again, three years out from that. I mean, we, we waited three years. Sometimes couples have a say in that. Sometimes they don't, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I mean, baby's already there when they're getting married. <laughs> well, this is true. 
But let's say, you know, to the extent that you can control it, that mm-hmm. you say, well, you know, after we get out of graduate school or whatever our time is, that's when we would prefer to start a family. Then having those conversations, what will that be like? How will that change our life? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you're not going to get as much sleep as you used to. Oh, man, that's for sure. But there's so much more than that. You know, that it changes the entire dynamic of your life. Mm-hmm. It certainly changes the, the dynamic of your family. Uh, you know, now you're not a twosome, you're a threesome, and mm-hmm. on, it, on it goes. Mm-hmm. So these are very important conversations to have. But that is a very stressful year mm-hmm. is when you have your first child. That, yeah. is a, that is a stressor. And no matter how much you love that precious baby, when you're on no sleep, you are just going to be mean to each other. It's just... It's just a fact of life. So you have to really practice a lot of forgiveness and uh, grace during that time. And those poopy diapers just keep on coming. They never stop. Man, can this kid produce some poop? Mm. You were a good diaper changer, I will I will say. The hey, only thing thanks. that you never did was you would never snap their little onesie back after you would change their diaper. Well, they so just in all poop of our so, often. so in all of our home videos, anytime one of our kids has an unsnapped onesie, I'm like, Oh dad must have changed that diaper. Well that's right, because it's just I'm just gonna have to get back in there and change another diaper in a few minutes. So what's the point, you know? Okay, another life cycle to talk about ahead of time was so this would be about year four of your marriage. Talk about what's coming up in year seven. And the reason I say that is they didn't come up with the phrase, the seven-year itch, for nothing. Mm -hmm. Statistics and studies have showed that seven years is a critical time Mm -hmm. for marriages. They say that that – I think the statistics are that half – of the, the, the divorces that will happen, happen take place in the first seven years. That's correct. So it's just a good time to be thinking about where are we going to be in those years between, say, year four and year seven. Mm-hmm. Where might we be in year seven? Mm-hmm. The reason why couples might not do that is after three or four years of marriage, you're kind of getting into a groove. You know, you're, mm-hmm. the, the inertia of marriage is taking over. And so you might say, yeah, well, we're rocking. This is okay. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing okay. And so it would be very easy to neglect having a discussion of what things might look like, say, about year seven. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why there are so many uh, st- statistical problems in that seventh year. Yeah, I it, agree. It's because people have gotten complacent. Yeah. And and uh, things have gotten predictable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the couples that we work with who generally speaking are stuck or in some kind of crisis, I'm thinking kind of in my head right now, they're usually around between 5 and 8 years. Mm-hmm. That that's about how long they've been yep. married. Yep. Another uh, obvious stressor, well, it's obvious to us because we've already been through it. Again, studies do indicate that this is a genuine uh, year of stress for marriages is when your oldest child, your first child, turns 13. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, this child who was so agreeable and so easy to hang out with and dad's little buddy and all that other <laughs> kind of thing, all of a sudden the hormones are kicking in. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I remember when our daughter, our eldest, uh, turned 13, and you and I had been doing youth ministry for many years at that point. Okay. And so we were used to teenagers. We had you know been with them, and oh, we yeah. loved them. Years, and, you know, they, yeah. we, they were cool as long as they weren't our kids. <laughs> and then our daughter turned 13, and I remember just kind of holding my breath and being like, here we go. And nothing really changed. And a few months went by, and she was still 
Miss little sweet 12-year-old, confident 12-year-old. And then about six months after her birthday, <laughs> I remember her coming home from school one day and I said, how was school? And she burst into tears and was like, my life is over. And I was like, okay, now we're 13. <laughs> it has it has visited the Hearst house now. Right. So every, everything gets kind of shaken up. And, well, and plus, they're moving into a new phase of life themselves of socialization and dating. And sure. they're going to be driving soon. And Yeah. So, I mean, so that puts a stressor on the family dynamic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, requires both of you to invest more attention into this hormonal change and Mm -hmm. so forth, but it also reveals more and more differences of parenting styles and all that type of thing. And, and people just start panicking when they have their first teenager, like, how do I do this? And this part, nobody really explained it because it's really, you just kind of have to experience it. And you're also looking at, okay, now we're in the last five years of this kid being at home, Uh you know, before they launch. Hopefully. Hopefully, uh, before they launch for college or work life or whatever, and so your things start, things, everything ramps up. Mm-hmm. The good thing about your oldest child turning thirteen, though, is now they can babysit the young ones. That's right, and that's a built-in awesomeness. Big score there. So. All right, another uh, year to consider, and well, and so let me go back to the turning thirteen. Mm-hmm. When your oldest is about ten, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you've had at least a couple of conversations. Yeah, what's this going to look like? What's this going to look like? And again, who knows? You don't know because mm-hmm. you haven't walked through it, but talk to other couples that have, mm-hmm. other families, get advice from people who have walked through it so that you'll it, it's not going to just make life completely smooth sailing, but mm-hmm. it will at least get you prepared for some of the uh, phenomena of that wonderful world of raising a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Uh the empty nest phase. So let's say that your kids are going to go off to school or off to work or move out of the house at 18, 19, 20. Let's say that is the plan, as far as you know. Mm -hmm. That would be your empty nest phase when your youngest child finally enters into that phase, and now it's just the two of you again. Yeah, and a lot of couples find that this a little disillusioning because they've been so busy co-parenting that now they're kind of like, why? What did we have in common before? Why did we get married at all? Like, it's kind of the who are you phase, yeah, but, if you're not careful. That's true. One of the advantages of this current generation is that parents are f- much more involved in their kids' lives than they were in the previous couple of generations. Mm-hmm. The, the the downside is we're so involved, you know, that not only do we have some unhealthy phenomena like helicopter parents and all that other kind of stuff, but also marriages are not getting the attention they need because everything is about the kids. Mm-hmm. So there's a balance there that you want to navigate. But anyway, three years from that time where ideally your youngest is going to Uh, move out of the house or at least go off to college or whatever the plan is going to be, what might life look like? Yeah. And this was very beneficial for you and I. We We had a lot of conversation when our kids were teenagers of what what will we do? And we started talking about things that we would like to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, started putting things on the calendar to look forward to, which we always say is important for the health of mm-hmm. a marriage. Always have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Those are just great conversations to have as yeah. you're anticipating that uh, really big shift. Because mm-hmm. again, it is a major shift for your family. It changes uh, the the family dynamic. Even though your kids are still going to keep coming back mm-hmm. and they're still going to be asking you for money and they're, you're still going to have to be 
helping them fix their cars and those types of things. Uh, but your house is quieter and cleaner yeah. <laughs> during the empty nest phase. Until they come home again. So. That's true. All right. And then now there's this new phenomenon that we're unfortunately seeing a lot of ink about. And it's something somebody has coined the phrase, the 35-year itch. Mm. It's 35 years of marriage. You and I aren't even up to that point mm-hmm. yet. It's the Alan Tipper Gore phenomenon. Okay. It's the, the, the couple who... You know, they just, they did their married thing. They loved each other. They raised their kids. And because a lot of couples are financially kind of self-sufficient, we've done that. Now right. now I'm going to live for myself for a while and kind of enjoy just being my own thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't actually know what Alan Tipper Gore went through, but I hear what you're saying. In other yeah. words, that there didn't w- seem to be a huge crisis. Everybody that they thought were, they were fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So again... Raising the importance of having a conversation of even that stage of life. You know, once you've been married 30 years, talk about, okay, what are the next three to five years going to look like? Mm -hmm. What are our retirement plans? What does the word retirement even mean? Mm -hmm. Are we even called to fully be retired? You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's been a lot of great movement in recent years to enlighten people that total retirement may not be God's plan for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's a it's a good thing to enjoy the fruits of working hard for several decades and all that kind of stuff, but but God's not done with you. Mm-hmm. You know, always always think about your grandfather and looked so forward to retiring and then when he finally did, his health just deteriorated so fast because he really didn't have anything else in his life except for work. Didn't have community, no. didn't have something to... Didn't have a lot of friends outside of his family, and um, it, just, it was kind of a sad life once he retired. Right. So again, this is something to talk about. What what do we think those years will look like, mm-hmm. and, and how can we have fruitful discussions to get us all on the same page. My friend Carol has a funny line that she used when her husband Dick retired and he was now around the house all the time and uh-huh. kind of under her foot. <laughs> she said, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not making you tuna fish sandwiches every day now that you're around the house. <laughs> That's a great line. And you're listening to Marriage to the Max. back to Marriage to the Max. If you are in the greater Houston area, we would love for you to join us or other folks that lead our area Dinner and a Marriage events. Come join us. Visit dinnerandamarriage.org to find out more details about this 
way fun way to spend an evening. <laughs> way fun. Way fun. I spit that out. <laughs> so we're continuing our conversation called, What Will the Next Three Years Bring? Mm. So where are we at now? We're at the time of this recording, we're almost to 27 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see happen in three years? Well, we've started doing a little more traveling, which is nice mm-hmm. because we seem to be so busy when the kids were living at home. And also, I have this thing called fear of flying. <laughs> so I've been working on that on on my own time and so you've that we been could. Fantastic. <laughs> you've been... So that we could enjoy kind of, you know, this season. Because uh-huh. you don't always know how. This sounds terrible. Don't always know how long you have. But, I mean, just as far as your health lasting and and that kind of stuff, you don't know that you're going to be able to just hop on a plane in three years and run off to some other place. But for now, we're planning those times and putting them on the calendar. And like you said, since we've been so busy doing ministry all these years and and because of your fear Mm -hmm, flying, mm -hmm. that we we really haven't seen a lot of places together. Yeah. So that's a nice thing to to look forward Mm -hmm. to and to to be planning those things out. We're also working on getting in better shape Mm -hmm. and, you know, because we have a, a... an intense desire to be very hands-on grandparents yep. at some point in our lives. That's right. And so we don't want to be so old and broken down that we can't <laughs> pick them up and play with them around the pool, you well, know? Well, I'm already there, but I'm trying to get fixed. So, <laughs> so getting, getting you know, friendly with all my doctors. Yeah. And so just, you know, and things that even being more intentional with our couple friends, trying to schedule, put more dinners on the calendar mm-hmm. and just enjoy company that's, you know, you don't get to have that a lot when your kids are growing up and you're so busy doing the whole parenting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but investing in those kind of friendships and, mm-hmm. you know, re-upping different business opportunities for the nonprofit and all that kind of stuff. So let me go back to the stage where couples are having their first kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're right in, they're in those first couple of months mm-hmm. and it is hitting them, even though they had friend after friend and parent after parent tell them, this is going to totally change your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but because they were maybe very optimistic, they thought, well, we're tougher than most people. We're, <laughs> we're going to make this. And the sleep deprivation thing is not going to be a big deal. And, yeah. You know, and then you're just inundated with diapers and, you know, and now also the reality of, ooh, we better be saving for college and yeah. all those other types of things. What would you say to those couples that are, you know, immersed in that word world, you know, they can't even imagine what the next three years are like because they're just so focused on the now. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, that's what I would encourage a couple who's got a their first baby at home is to not think too much about the future because mm-hmm. this stage goes by so fast and you can get so caught up in you know, where's my kid going to go to school? And there's time for all that. Mm-hmm. The the young mommies that I talk to who are stressed out, and not so much when they have babies, but when they have like preschoolers and elementary, they're starting to get stressed out and carry a lot of anxiety about being the perfect parent and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Let it go. I mm-hmm. mean, the main regrets I have as a mom, and I, I would assume for you too, is when I look back and think, why was I so anxious and hmm. caught up in all that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's one thing to plan. It's one thing to, you know, want the best for your kids and that kind of stuff. But 
chill and be present with them because that's what your kids are going to remember more than anything. And enjoy that time. Enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And and it's hard to tell someone who's caught up in diapers, you know, to enjoy it. But I would also say make sure that you and your spouse are finding a little time to connect on your mm-hmm. own because your whole world is about your baby and your and your kids and and your expanding family. Make sure you're just having a little time. Maybe it's just coffee together on the couch after the baby's gone to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, something. It doesn't have to be a big paint the town red date night, Mm -hmm. but something where you're connecting and it's back to the two of you, because if, you know, hopefully you're going to stay together and be together your whole lifetime, it's going to come back to you again, Mm -hmm. maybe not for another 20, 25 years, depending on how long your parents together, but it's going to come back to the two of you and you want to look forward to that season. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm hearing from all this, so maybe that was an exceptional time when you're having that first child kind of back off on even uh-huh. what we've talked about. Enjoy this the time because there will be time to plan and, and think about the next phase. But nevertheless, in all of these stages, I think what we're really talking about is have conversations. Yeah. Have meaningful conversations with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Talk about the, the future is a great thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Dream together. Dream together. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy um considering the what if questions and you know mm-hmm. um, because when you do that when you even dream and plan together you find out more and more about each other mm-hmm. I mean you and I have been married you know 27 years at this point but even when we're planning vacations now you know we find out more and more mm-hmm. about what we like and what we dislike what we agree what we disagree on and mm-hmm. so forth which is fun frankly. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time it is fun. <laughs> so th- this is a good episode. I'm glad that glad that we did this. Yeah, and I'm just reminded of that scripture. Or I never remember addresses of where Bible passages are, but the one about, you know, you wouldn't start building a house before you sit down and count the cost. Right. And um, so you you got to plan, but you've got to also hold things loosely because, like you said, we never know what's around the corner exactly. Mm-hmm. But we can be ready for what we have think is around the corner. And if you're building into your marriage relationship and that foundation is strong, then wins and trials and challenges are going to come along. They're not going to knock you off. Yeah. Very good, my dear. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. Also, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, as always, if you have a topic or a question that you would like for us to discuss on the podcast, go ahead and send us an email to the Hursts. That's H-U-R-S-T-S at homeencouragement.org, and we'll do our best to get it on the air. Well, thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.